You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I feel like we've all faced this one moment, feeling like we're called to something or we have a desire for something and thinking, "Ah, I don't think that's for me. It's too fill in the blank. It's too much. It's too crazy. It's too unique. It's too expensive. Well, we've all been there. That crazy, difficult, or just super different calling that all of a sudden pops into our mind or our heart. When this happens for me, I often think, God, why would you choose me for that? Or what would people think of me? Well, today's guest, Angela Braniff, joins us to chat through her calling, how it's crazy different, unique, and beautiful all at the same time, and how her bold yes changed everything. I think it's so easy for us to opt out and say, eh, or pass it off to someone else. But what could happen? What would you learn? And how much goodness would you see if you said yes? Angela is the founder of a really fun YouTube channel called The Gathered Nest. She's an adoption advocate, homeschool mom, content creator, podcast host, and loves adventure. She's married to her high school sweetheart, and together they have a pretty full house. Eight children, to be exact. But all eight children came to the family in lots of different ways. And their life, their family, and this adventure for the Braniffs wouldn't have been the same if Angela didn't say yes. Angela shares about her adoption journey, so if you have a heart for adoption, this episode is totally for you. She chats about the process of writing her new book, Love Without Borders. So if you're interested in authorship or publication, this episode is also going to be for you. Really, Angela covers the grounds on all things crazy, fun, and beautiful when it comes to saying yes to her calling. We both pray that you leave this episode saying yes to something that you might have put off to the side for quite a while. Hey, Angela, welcome to Behind the Bliss. This is such an exciting episode. People don't even know what they just push play on. It's going to be awesome. Oh, that's so fun. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So if someone needed to know about you, I would say you have a book. You're an author. You have a fun Instagram and YouTube channel. You have a podcast. You are in lots of really cool places, but You are also an incredible mom. So today we're diving into all things motherhood and things people probably didn't consider. Tell us something maybe about who you are that people don't know, or if they don't know who Angela is, what would you typically say to introduce yourself? Um, You know, I used to start out by introducing myself with the like, I'm a wife and a mom and like kind of just kind of go through the like roster of all the things that I do. Um, But I have found that, you know, I really... I love telling people that I'm an author or an entrepreneur um, and just kind of like going at a little bit of a different angle there. And then I, I sort of like hold back a little bit before I say like, oh, by the way, I also have eight kids. Like I started thinking that maybe I should introduce yeah. <laughs> myself by saying like, I have 16 kids. I'm just kidding. I have half that many. And like seeing if that like tones it right. down from a little bit, like does eight seem less if you thought it was 16 first? Um, so because people are just so, you know, oh my gosh, you have eight kids. I mean, yeah. So being a mom and a wife and, and taking care of eight kids and homeschooling and all that is definitely, uh, you know, the majority of what I do time-wise, 
but um, I feel like I, you know, I don't know. I love so many different things and I'm just somebody that's like, I don't want to be put into a box. I really like resist that. Uh, so get that. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, you know, I, yes, I, I am a mom and I have eight kids and I'm married to my high school sweetheart and we have this sweet story, but um, I also am like kind of weird and I'm into weird things and I love watching documentaries <laughs> and, uh, and reading books about government conspiracies and aliens. And like, you know, I just, I don't know. I have like all these weird things that I, that I like too, that I feel like, um, you know, make me kind of make me unique to myself, I guess. Yeah. You're spunky. Yeah. That's a good word. Spunky. I like that word. Yeah. I like that. It sounds better than weird. I'm going to go with spunky <laughs> from now on. You're not weird. Trust me. We're all weird, but just in our own way. So you like conspiracy documentaries and like I have to count steps as I go down them or I fall. Like we all have our little quirks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that that is very interesting. Uh, that's weird. That's interesting, but I get it. I get it. And like, as you say it, I think, wow, yeah, that makes well, sense. Well, it was funny. My husband and I were walking in Charleston, which is one of those places you have to watch where your foot's going mm -hmm. because of the cobblestone, yes. and, you know, old roads. We were like two months in a marriage and he didn't know this about me. Or maybe we were like six months in a marriage. Like at this point, he probably should have known that was a quirk of mine. And we were going downstairs and I was counting. I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have to tell my feet like how many it's been. And he was like, you are so odd. I was like, I know. It's, I know. So it's one of those We things. all have them, right? My husband makes fun of me because I chew my soda. I can't, it's something about the carbonation, but I like chew it before I swallow. <laughs> um, yeah, we're weird. We can be weird together. Yeah, it's a strange really. little quirk, you know, but it, it makes us all, that's the thing though, that I feel like everybody has these things. It's just that we don't talk about them. So they seem weird, but really at the end of the day, if you sat yeah. down with people and made a list of like your little quirks and things, it would be like, okay, yeah, we're all weird. There's no such thing as weird because we've now just like moved the bar for what is normal. Yes. 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 I'm like, we all have gunk in our microwave or we have to take care of our little mustache hairs every once yes. in a while. We've oh all gosh. got yes. something to say. Definitely. I'm like, don't pretend you're perfect. Because then you put me on a mission to find something quirky about you. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Well, you mentioned this. Your house is very similar, I can imagine, to like Cheaper by the Dozen, the movie. Like lots of kids and lots of different cultures that are represented, lots of different stories of how they even came into the brain of family. And I like just spill the tea. Like how did eight humans in one house happen? Well, it definitely didn't happen overnight, but, um, and I, I appreciate that the, the cheaper by the dozen comparison, because that one feels more authentic than a lot of times people will say like, Oh, like the Duggars or, uh, you know, something like that. Like you have so many Pretty kids bunch. and I feel like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's not quite like that. Uh, it's definitely more like the cheaper by the dozen where there's a lot of love, but there's also a lot of chaos uh, at times. So I, I, you know, it's, it really all was, it started, you know, we got married and we had uh, two daughters and I had really difficult pregnancies and we had just kind of decided that we didn't even know if we were going to be able to have any more kids. And then um, you know, I kind of have what I lovingly refer to as my Easter morning meltdown. And it was a time that God really hmm. used to uh, speak to me about where he wanted me and what he wanted me to be doing and the things that mattered to him. Um, you know, I really had struggled up to that point with sort of this idea of having my life have to, to fit a checklist. You know, it kind of needed to fit inside this American dream 
type box in order to uh, to be good and to be successful and all of those things. And and God really took that that Easter morning meltdown and used it to sort of shatter that for me uh, and bring me to a really broken place before he could sort of rebuild me into the person that, you know, he was trying to make me. Um, and so through that, uh, we kind of were led to the idea of adoption. And it was something that had been on my heart since high school. I'd actually seen a documentary about adoption in high school, specifically adoption from China. And I thought, you know, yeah, someday I, I would love to adopt. Uh, and I just kind of put that on a shelf, you know, and then it was like a number of years later, God kind of pulled that off the shelf and dusted it off and said, like, this is actually what part of what I have for you. Like, this is part of my plan for your life. Right. Uh, like you, you belong here in this story. And so I just kind of started uh, what I refer to as like sort of walking through the open doors. I feel like God has never like if he would have told me back then in 2011 that you know, by the way, you're going to have eight kids and um, you're going to adopt from all over the world and you're going to have a child with special needs and you're going to adopt embryos. And like, if he would have told me all of this, I think I would have been, um, I mean, I probably would have just run screaming from the house. Like, nope, no thanks. I'm out. Yeah. Um, just because whoever like really pictures they're going to end up in those places. But uh, that that's the thing is he's so loving that he just takes us through each, each uh, open door one at a time. And I felt, I feel like he just kind of led me, you know, here's the first open door, go through this. I want you to, to do this and walk through this adoption process. And then, you know, here's another open door and another one. And, and sometimes the doors close and you go a different way. Uh, but it really was just sort of following his leading over the last nine years um, has led us to all of these different avenues of adoption. And I think it uh, I was speaking to someone recently who said, you know, if you just look at your family, it can almost seem so random, uh, the places that you've adopted from, the situations, you know, through your adoptions and just sort of how your family came to be what it is today. It almost looks completely random, but really every single one of our adoption stories has this beautiful narrative that God wrote for it um, and, and how it fits so perfectly into our family. And um, yeah, so I feel like you know, he's kind of led us here and it's been a, it's been a roller coaster, but it's, it's a good, a good one. A good one indeed, for sure. Motherhood, as I'm growing up, I'm realizing can look different than maybe the idea that I've had my whole life. And um, if anyone can be a testimony to that, it's you. And so you've seen failed adoptions, you've seen super challenging pregnancies, secondary infertility, embryo adoption, like all the things. And, but through it all, you found this you say it best, a unique adventure that God had for you. And so I want you to maybe like, let's get honest. Motherhood's different than what we see in Hollywood and what maybe we've grown up to know just from church stuff. So what's something this journey has taught you that you might not have learned otherwise about this bigger concept of motherhood? Yeah. You know, I think it, it really is wrapped up in our family's sort of mantra that we've come to over the years, which is this idea that hard isn't always bad. I think that we, as people and as, you know, a culture and everything, you know, we, our initial reaction to something being hard seems like, well, that was, ob that's obviously bad. And I need to, to go find something else that's easier. Um, but raising eight kids, homeschooling them, all of these different journeys that we've been through, like God has really shown me that uh, some of the, the greatest things we get in life come to us through these difficulties and these trials. 
And I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of twofold for me because yes, motherhood is hard, um, many, many days, but it's also so beautiful and so much more fulfilling. See, I grew up in high school and in younger years thinking that I might not even ever want to have kids because I felt like Mm. the narrative that I heard so often Um, and, and I spent a lot of my formative years on the West coast growing up in like Portland, Oregon area. So maybe, you know, I think where you grow up will definitely affect that. But, you know, the sort of narrative that I heard was that, you know, being a mom wasn't enough. Like you were just a mom, you know, if that was your job, it was quote, just a mom. And I had kind of really internalized that to think that if I wanted to do something important with my life that I need to do something more than just be a mom. And so it was actually a, a real point of contention for me in my heart and something that God had to really work through to show me that this idea that I had about what it meant to be a mom, um, really I could turn that upside down on its head and say, it's not just a mom. Like it's this incredibly honorable role that we get to, to walk into. Um, and especially in my case, you know, being a mom to children who have a first mom, that's not me. Uh, You know, two of my children are biological, but the other six are adopted. And so they, um, you know, they have biological parents and first parents and birth moms and, you know, their situations are all a little different, but um, stepping into the role of mom for a child whose first mom was unable uh, is a really humbling experience and really sort of has just helped to change and shape the way that I look at motherhood and its importance. And I feel this pull to share with people through Instagram and through our YouTube videos and, you know, all of these different things that, um, motherhood doesn't have to be this idea of like, just everything is like self-deprecating and, you know, kids are a nightmare that we just need to escape from. I feel like that's so much of the narrative about children. And it's something that I really push back against because I'm like, I'm sarcastic. I like to make jokes and I love to have fun and laugh and I get frustrated with my kids and I'm like, ah, you know, but I also think that um, I, I just get sad sometimes when I get online and on social media and I see that it has become something that almost just seems like a club to be included in is the like, I can't stand my kids. They drive me crazy. They annoy me club. Um, and that it really, yeah, that's yeah, good. it just really makes me, I mean, that, that's a, a side note, but like husbands get included in that too. I see a lot of like husband bashing and kid bashing that happens in online mom spaces. And not that I don't think that we should hold space for each other to uh, express frustrations and all of that. But I don't know. I just, I grew up with my, my mom never making me feel like I was a burden to her um, or that her life wasn't what it could be because of me. And I, I would just never want my kids wow. to grow up and look back and say, yeah, mom, you know, she seemed pretty miserable. She probably could have done something more important with her life if she wasn't here raising us. You know, so, and and I'm a working mom too, you know, so I kind of have all of these different angles that I come at it from, but I think that God has just really used this journey and motherhood specifically to, to sharpen me, but, but really to show me that there's so many preconceived notions about things and that it's so often not true and not what you see. Um, And that, you know, motherhood is an incredible, incredibly honorable um, role to have. 
and it doesn't have to be, there's no just in front of it. Um, and also the, the, the second, you know, sort of half of that is that it's also not the be all end all. There are many women for whom being a mom is not part of their uh, life plan or, or what God has for them. And there's dignity and honor in that too. And so I just, I just think that we live in a culture that sometimes has a really hard time holding two truths, that if we make motherhood, if we hold it on a pedestal and esteem it for what it really is, that that then also means we can't respect and honor women who don't have children. And I think that the two can absolutely coexist. And that's really kind of a hundred percent. Yeah, what God has has taught me over the years. Uh, yeah, I love how you said we can hold two truths at once, and one is not more true or more significant than the other. They're just both callings, and they're two different directions. And I also love that you say that, um, like, even if you are a second mom to somebody, whether it's through being a stepmom, mm -hmm. being an adopted mom, being, um. I mean, foster mom, like there's so many different ways that we in our hearts are mothers that have nothing to do with biological. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's something that's so amazing about your story too. And he said it best. He said um, that you walked through the safe and ex expected path. Um, you talk about this in your book, but you started a process of going boldly and like changing and switching it up than what you had always considered safe and expected. So was that process, I'm curious, I'm just super curious selfishly, was this process one that was like a no brainer or did you struggle making these next step decisions, but you knew that you were called to them? Um, I definitely, I definitely struggled at times. There were moments that were, were undeniable that I could say like, absolutely. Yes, this is this is what we are, you know, supposed to be doing. But there were so many moments that I was like, um, are you sure, God? Like, are you sure that that's, that's what you want us to do? You want us to, to go there or do this thing? Uh, you know, I talk about it in the book, our adoption of our daughter, Rosie. That was a point that I think a lot of people too, who are a lot of couples who are considering adoption, you often find that the, you know, both partners are not on the same page regarding adoption. And it can be kind of this you know, a little bit of a tug of war to figure things out. And I really wanted yeah. to, to share with people the, you know, the story of Rosie, because to me, it was such a beautiful, like God ordained story that I saw his hand all over it, the way that he so perfectly led us to her. To me, it was completely obvious. And when I had this sort of epiphany moment that I talk about in the book, when I looked at her file and realized things that uh, about her and, you know, uh, sort of how God had orchestrated this so perfectly. I was immediately like, this is our daughter. I mean, this is obvious. I feel like if God himself was standing in front of me telling me it couldn't be more obvious. But when I brought it to my husband, yeah. his response was still unsure. And I felt like, how can you not see this? Like I do like this is, I mean, what does the Lord need to do? Calm down and just like, sit with you and hold your hand. Like it felt so obvious to me. Um, but I had to step back and give my husband the space to pray about it and come, come to terms with it with the Lord himself. Uh, and that was a really hard thing to do when I knew in my heart that this was my daughter and to know that like I had to wait on this other person to come to the, the same thing that to me was a certainty. It was inevitable. It was, it was the right yeah. thing. Uh, but I had to step back and wait. And I think um, sometimes that's, oh man, it's it's so tough. You know, you just have to evaluate those things. And to me, I, it, I know that when people tell other people to, you know, you need to pray about it or whatever, it 
it seems almost a little trite and a little like a, a platitude in some ways, I think because we use it so flippantly at times. But to me, that is like the crux of it is really, really, really going to God in prayer over these things and asking him to give you, um, you know, unequivocal answers. Show me exactly yes or no, like make this so obvious that there's no yeah. denying it. Um, and so, you know, that was sort of what I had to do and say like, okay, I've got to let my husband come to that on his own. And he did obviously. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard sometimes, you know, you think that you, you wish that everything would be this, you know, perfect romantic story where it all seems so great. But especially when you're talking about adoption, something that's born from loss to begin with, um, it's messy. It's messy. Let's dive into that adoption. I know from just receiving emails or messages from listeners that there's a lot of people that have their hearts stirred towards adoption and just haven't taken that step yet. Or, and then we have a lot of moms who have adopted children and a lot in between. And so I would want to speak to the woman who um, maybe has like their heart stirred and is, yeah, like feeling the struggle, whether it's with their husband, whether it's in their honest and vulnerable conversations with God. Like, I don't know if I'm the one, I don't know if I'm called to this. What would just be a good encouragement that you either heard or you wish you would have heard when considering adoption? Yeah. I mean, oh man, it's going to, it's not going to sound like an encouragement when I say it, but I promise that it is because (laughs) it was what, it was really what God used for me was you know, sort of showing me that first of all, when I, whenever I come to him and I, and I say, Lord, I just don't know if this is the right time. I, I can feel like you're kind of asking us to maybe step out and do this, but the timing doesn't feel right. You know, I'm very, very quickly reminded that the time is never right for a child to lose their parents, to become uh, an orphan or to be, to find themselves in need of a, a second home, whether that's through foster care or adoption or whatever the situation may be that the timing's never good for them. So I'm very hesitant when I feel myself, you know, kind of pushing back against the Lord saying like, well, but I really wanted to have this much in savings. Or I really, I have just learned so much over the years that God wants our yes. He wants our bold. Yes. He wants us to, um, he wants us to move, move on the things that matter to him. And so often we're not because of earthly things that don't matter to him, that protection, that the safety, um, our our sort of perceived safety of our finances and our savings accounts and things like that. Um, And and God has just really blown me away so much over the years and showing me how he he fills in those gaps that I need to stop worrying so much about them. So I would say if if someone's finding themselves in that place where they feel like adoptions on your heart, I, I would say that don't ignore things. Don't ignore the nudges. Don't brush things off as coincidence. Take a minute to, to take that stuff in um, because I believe that God starts with little nudges and little whispers and little things that kind of say, you know, as I talk about in my book, like, hey, y- you belong in this story. Like I have this story, you belong in it. Um, and he kind of just gently leads us there. And I think that so often it's easy to brush those little things off as, you know, like I said, coincidences or things like that. But when we really kind of open our eyes and say, okay, I think maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something. Um, I I think there's so many people who this is on their heart and it's, 
part of the reason that I've wanted to share so openly about adoption and what it's meant for our family is because I just have such a heart. God really, really just shattered my heart for vulnerable children because they are truly the one, you know, sort of community of people, if you will, that can do nothing to, to help themselves, that can do nothing to advance their own agenda. They can't, you know, hold conferences and sit-ins or, or protests. They, they can't do anything. They rely solely on adults to make good decisions. And uh, to me, it's sort of this combination of knowing that you have this incredibly vulnerable community uh, that needs us to step in in lots of different ways. By the way, adoption's not the only way, um, and it's certainly not the right way for everybody. Uh, but second to that is, um, you know, that while we're sort of stepping in and doing all of these things, you know, to help these communities, um, there's just so many ways to get involved, whether it's through foster care, supporting other people that are doing those things. Um, and when we need to show up for those right. children, because the reminder that I always get is it could have been me and it could have been what, you know, before we had adopted any kids and we had our two biological daughters, I would look at them playing and think, what if it was them? What, what if it was Kennedy? What if it was Shelby? What would I want someone to do for her if I couldn't? Um, and really when I sort of flip the script and, and look at it from the outside, the other direction, it makes it really hard to ignore or walk away from. Yep. And to look past it. I, yeah, yeah, I feel that. So you did, you wrote a book and it's beautiful and incredible. It's called Love Without Borders for those listening that want to know about it. And you briefly mentioned, but I kind of really want to hear more about this process of what drew you to say, oh yeah, like I need a document and bind this story up into a book. Like what was it that really pushed you to want to share about this so publicly and openly? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I wonder sometimes if my elementary school teachers like are sitting there going, I can't believe that kid wrote a book um, because I talk <laughs> about it in the beginning, but I really struggled um, in school. And so I never thought of myself as a writer or that was never on my radar that I would do something like that. But after we started um, sharing and, you know, through different YouTube content that I was making and stuff, people started saying, you should write a book. Like, we'd love to hear more, you know? And it was sort of like, I got to the point where there was only so much that I could concisely put into a video. And I felt like I wanted one place where instead of someone came and watched a five minute video, listening to me talk about a certain topic, I wanted a place for the whole story to live. And from its beginning to its, you know, now I don't want to say end, but to where it exists currently. Um, I wanted, I wanted there to be a place where that could all exist in its entirety. And so uh, people started, you know, mentioning like, hey, you should write a book. And um, eventually I, I was, I don't know, eight months pregnant with my twins when I got an email from a publisher saying, hey, we've heard that you might have some interest in writing a book. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a big publisher just emailed me. And I mean, I was so excited. And, uh, you know, they let me, of course, have give birth to my twins before they asked me to send anything in. But then around the time the twins were three months old, I sent in a sample chapter. And a couple months later, I heard back and, and it was a, a kind but but no, uh, basically a, you know, you, you probably should maybe consider hiring a ghostwriter or, you know, just a, a nice but, a, but no. And I was devastated because it confirmed for me in my mind everything that I told myself as a kid. Like, you're dumb, you're stupid, you can't do this, you can't write a book, like, you're, you're not talented enough, there's no way you could write a book, not you. 
um, maybe somebody else, but not you who struggles with ADD and dyslexia, like you could never write a book. Uh, and so I had this like meltdown in my bathroom, just bawling my eyes out. And my husband came in and he was like, you, this isn't you, like you work hard for what you want and you don't give up when you want something like, look at the, these children in our home that I've watched you scratch through <laughs> cement walls or whatever, you know, to get to them. Yeah. Like, I know that you want this, you know, you, you can't give up. And so, you know, he kind of breathed that life back into me that I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. And I went and took a writing class and uh, reached out through another just sort of random God story through a podcast, actually, but found a literary agent that I reached out to and said, listen, I think I can write a book, but I, I need some help. And so uh, she was wonderful and came alongside me and gave me advice on, you know, sort of how to structure a book. And, you know, I just didn't really know how to do that best. And so with her help, I was able to really flesh out a proposal and kind of go that direction. But, um, but it was one of those things that ended up coming full circle because after I worked so hard on this and did everything I could to improve my writing skills and find my voice in writing. And I think that's really important for, and I know so many people, I mean, statistically like 80 something percent of people say that they'd like to write a book someday. Uh, so, and I know there's so many incredible stories out there that people want to tell. And if that's you, I feel like, you know, finding your voice in writing is really, really important. And so when I got there, got to that place where I felt like I'd found my voice and I had these moments of like what I call like sort of God inspired writing where he would wake me up at two o'clock in the morning and say, write this. And I was literally just like a robot sitting there typing out what God was putting in my head. Like, you know, you have to just do that at 2am whenever it comes to you. And, um, through doing all of that ended up, you know, finally sending it out again as a proposal to sort of, you know, the masses of publishers. And uh, when it came time to do the, the public or the, the calls with the publishers, uh, the one who told me no was back and wanted the book. And I didn't end up going with them. I ended up going with a different publisher because, you know, you, especially when it comes to releasing a book like this, you really have to find your right publishing home and an editor and publisher who believe in you and your story and don't want to change it or anything like that was really important to me was that I'd be able to tell my story as it was. Um, and so it, but it was one of those sort of full circle moments for me where it was like this person who'd said no was now back and saying yes. And, you know, sort of in the, in the fight, if you will, um, to purchase the book. And so, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, you just never know what God can do. I mean, I never would have believed 10 or 15 years ago that I would have ever written a book. Um, and now, you know, I have my first book sitting here in front of me and it's, it's crazy. How did you get the title love without borders? I think it's, it's perfect. It's super powerful. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, when you're going through the writing process, you kind of have like a working title and subtitle and things like that. And it was just, I kind of sat there thinking, you know, what is, what is the overall message in this book? Because you know, it's a memoir, it's my story, uh, but there's so much that I want people to be able to take away from it. I didn't write it for myself just as like this self-gratifying, like, I just want to write down my story. You know, I believed that it could help people. I knew that there were other women out there that struggled with this idea of living life inside a box, living life according to a checklist, you know, and I just knew that um, if they could, if I could show some, you know, sort of here's from the other side of that, you can, you can you can say no to that. You can throw away the checklist. You can, you know, 
not have to fit inside a box and it's, you're going to be okay. And I felt like if I could show people that, uh, you know, that it would make a difference. And so in thinking of the title for the book, I just kept thinking, how could I sort of encompass all of this into something that um, I felt like did justice to all of the different threads. And so for me, it was really just looking at the whole picture, which is just simply that like our life is our love and how we love people. Like that's what matters in our life is the love that we give to the people around us. And so showing that this idea of loving beyond a border, beyond a checklist, beyond a box that you think you should fit in. Um, And so, I mean, obviously with having children adopted from all over the world, I felt like, you know, borders made sense, but um, yeah, Yeah. you just sort of more meant to encompass the idea of, you know, loving and living our lives outside of any box, you know? So knowing what you know about motherhood through experience and through, like you were saying earlier, growing up, maybe not wanting to be a mom and then growing a heart for it, but not only for your own biological, but for others. And so I I want you to encourage maybe the moms listening. You know, women will always say to me, I don't know how you have eight kids. I have two, you know, young toddlers and I'm just barely getting by. And I always want to say like, I, I was in the same boat when I had two kids. It's you, you learn and you grow as your family expands and grows. Um, and so I think that I, I wish so much for moms that we could be able to step back and see our lives as, you know, different seasons. And in those seasons of motherhood, the seasons of little young ones and the seasons of teenagers and, and the different seasons that we're in will help to color what other parts of this, you know, sort of Proverbs 31 woman uh, that we are also able to embody at those times but they will be different depending on the seasons of motherhood that you are in and the expectation that you need to be all of those things all at once is utterly unrealistic. Um, And I think it's damaging to, to moms and to the idea of motherhood. I think that's part of the reason the narrative of motherhood has become burdensome is because the idea is that a mother must be impossibly, uh, filled with all of these different ideas and different things that she's doing every day. And it's, it's impossible, which is why it feels so burdensome. That's good. Yeah. And also remembering that there's so much more to the story and being a mom (laughs) means that you have children and each child I feel like is going to be a completely different story, circumstance, upbringing, adult And so each of them also knowing that they're so unique. And like we were talking about earlier, they're all going to have their quirks too. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that different days are going to look like different days because each child is different if you have have multiple of them. Right. And having grace with yourself, especially if you have a story like yours where they're all very different (laughs) in the very different ways, which is just so beautiful. And I think why I admire you as a mom. And yeah, I just think that you have such a unique story and just the the ways that you've said yes and you've stepped out in boldness when life looks a lot more dangerous that way and you're leaving your safety and your comfort for something that you know is your calling, I think is, is inspiring whether we're talking motherhood or not. So I wanted you to be honored in that because it's so cool. And just the way that you're able to share it through a book and podcasts and online with so many other women. I think you're leading tons of women of freedom. So to have you on Behind the Bliss and to share what's literally behind your bliss, 
has been a gift to me. Oh, thank you so much. I, I truly love, um, I truly love sharing, uh, and sharing about motherhood and encouraging moms specifically because yeah, it's just, it's something that, you know, I just never would have seen for myself. And I, I think sometimes we look at women who do things and we think, how could we, how can I do that? Or she must've always wanted this. Like she must be uniquely equipped for this or gifted for this. Um, and to me, it's like, no, 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 no. Let me just tell you what a giant mess I am because you know, God will take our messes and make them into something really beautiful. And he doesn't need us to be perfect to do that. He just needs us to be willing. Um, and that's the only that's thing so that good. I have when people say you must have patience of a saint, you must have this or that you must, it's, I don't have any of that. I just have a willing heart who loves Jesus so much and just wants to, um, to, to please him and to give my life to him in whatever way he wants to use me. And so that's all he really needs from us, whether it's motherhood or business or anything else, just a willing heart. That's so good. I, okay. I have one more question. Well, really two, 1.5 more questions. Um, (laughs) so if you maybe ran into a young woman or someone who was pregnant with their first, what would be your encouragement to them? Because they obviously don't know what they don't know. So how would you encourage a mom that maybe is beginning the motherhood journey? Gosh, my biggest thing for moms that are just starting out is to, um, is to follow your instincts. They will not lead you astray. I feel like there's so many parenting methods out there and books and advice and people want, I mean, my goodness, do they want to give you advice when you have children? They want to tell you how they did things and how you should do things. But I believe that, uh, God has put this very, very uh, sort of unique ability within our hearts as mothers to know what is best for our children and to know how is best to love them and take care of them. And so if you can just kind of quiet all of the noise, uh, that will, that will make your mothering journey so much more peaceful is just to shut all that out and follow your instincts and do what works best for you and your child. So good. My favorite and last question to ask all of our guests is what's something that Angela is loving these days that you have to share with the people? Something that maybe they don't know about, but you know it would impact their life. It could be a product. It could be a song, a book. Hmm. Um. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I feel like right now in quarantine, it's I've been using this your audience is probably younger, so much younger than I am. So they probably don't need to hear about my gray root spray. Uh, for my gray hairs. Uh, but I feel no, like right now in we quarantine, have women all over. Yeah, like not being able to uh, get your hair colored. Listen, when when you have age children and you have a lot of gray hair, it's a struggle. And so I love it. Um, for me, I've just been like finding these little things at home that I can do to just make myself feel better, like a good red lipstick and a little bit of gray root yes. spray has uh, been, been making me feel good, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I curled my hair today and I feel like a new woman. I'm like, if I can just find small ways to remind myself that I I actually am okay. Yeah. And the other thing too, like actual product wise, and I feel like most people have these these days, so it's probably not any, it's definitely not anything revolutionary, but I'm telling you what, getting AirPods for my phone and being able to wirelessly listen to things while I do chores and tasks has revolutionized my life. I mean, I love books and I love to read books, 
uh, and I read a ton of books, but in combination with like reading physical books, I listen to a lot of audible books. Um, and so people will, I'll say like, oh, I just finished my sixth book this week. And people are like, how do you do that with so many kids? And like, listen, it's, I'm you've got, sitting to, down got to get used to, yeah, listening to stuff on audible. So having some good wireless headphones, whether it's, you know, the Apple ones or whatever, but good wireless headphones, man, I can plow through some laundry, yes. some dishes, anything, and you can keep the volume good so that you can still hear your kids, you know, but you can still hear what's, what's happening in your earbuds too. So I feel like those are a must for moms. Yeah. I wish that I would have had them, um, so much, but even like, oh, they're a must for anyone. Yeah. Just sitting, if you're sitting in a nursery, nursing a baby, and you're trying to get them to fall asleep, and so you don't want to have something loud playing on your phone, but you can just listen to it in your AirPods. It's just so practical. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, well, I like using my AirPods even for making phone calls and like talking to somebody as I'm putting away laundry or doing dishes or cooking dinner, you oh, know, so you don't yeah. have to carry your phone everywhere. So you're not... I I'm like allergic to phone calls. So you're one of those people who like, I don't know what it is. I feel like I am, I'm not of a generation that didn't talk on the phone. We talked on the phone. That was all we did as kids. You're Maybe that's out. why I'm just talked out from being on the phone. But yeah, yeah I'm just, I, I do a lot of Marco Polo. That's fun. But um, talking on the phone is so committal. But yes, I feel like if you maybe did it with AirPods and that would be yeah. a bit easier. Yes. Well, Angela, I'm just, again, I can't express to you how thankful I am for you just opening up our eyes to motherhood, maybe even outside of our own perspective that we have or had always had. And the story that you are able to share with us is just a unique one and a beautiful one. And I would love for people to know where they can find more of it if they wanted to find you online. Yeah, um, I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, but on YouTube, we're This Gathered Nest. Uh, we do lots of different videos there. And then on Instagram as well, This Gathered Nest. And then my husband and I just started a podcast together uh, that's sort of all kinds of different things, parenting and you know marriage and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that's on iTunes, as well as a video podcast on YouTube. And it's called Well, That Escalated Quickly. <laughs> um, so it's the perfect name. Yeah, it's, I love well, it's it. Funny, but um, yeah, we have we were having so much fun with the podcast. But yeah, I'm this gathered nest pretty much everywhere online and except for that podcast. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.